Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast of Shemaine's Model Health for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and learn about their body and how it really works. I hope you're all keeping really well on this beautiful June morning. Um, I do hope the majority of you got out for some sort of um, exercise, even a nice walk this morning. So this week's podcast is something I hold dear to my heart and I know many of my clients have this issue um, of swelling or circulatory issues or fluid retention. So I really wanted to do it now before we get too far into the hotter months and the summer so that you guys will have the tools to put um, this into effect, like the information in this podcast into effect effect. As always, the information in these podcasts should be taken for informational purposes only and not as medical advice. Please do consult with your doctor or medical practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. And also, all fluid retention is potentially very harmful and should always be looked at by your doctor. Okay, so This is episode 126 and you may have noticed that for the next few months, so over the summer months, I've pulled back the podcasts to one every second week. Uh, This allows me to work on more content and it also allows you to kind of catch up on some past podcasts because there's a lot, there's a lot. And I get people saying all the time, I haven't had a chance to listen yet. And before they know it, I've posted another podcast and then another. Some people are a bit behind. So I figured this would be more practical for all of us. Um, so we've got that 125 podcasts, now 126 for you to go through and then catch up and then we'll have another one in two weeks time. So let's get straight to the point. Um, If you hear me sipping on tea, it is raspberry leaf tea because I'm slightly obsessing about fluid retention and circulation the last few weeks as I really feel it a lot. Um, So many of us experience some sort of swelling or bloating or fluid retention or circulatory issues regularly. and this can almost increase tenfold in the summer or the warmer months with that extra heat, the alcohol, uh, let's just say some camping or summer vacation foods that may not be as good for us. As much as I would love to think all my clients are enjoying the abundance of fresh fruit and veg at this season, I'm a realist and I know this just is not true. Um, Even increased walking or activity, basically being on your feet for longer during the summer can increase swelling in the hands and feet for some people. So in this podcast, we're just going to go through the different variations of the fluid retention and the swelling and the circulation. Understand it, understand how it might be impacting your body and what we can do about it. Pretty much what I do about it in myself. So did you know that up to 80% of your body is weight? 
or sorry, is water. So of your body, water is weight. Um, so water flows throughout your whole body from one area to another. It's present inside and outside of your cells. Um, and it keeps our tissues moist. It keeps our bones, joints, spinal cord. It gives our brain water too. Um, but sometimes too much water can build up in your tissues, especially if you're not using the water properly, if your body's not rehydrating properly, if you're not excreting it properly, and this can lead to swelling in your arms and legs and other places in the body. And this is called fluid retention, um, as most people know. And it can be caused by several factors that vary in seriousness. For some people, it might only be temporary and will go away on its own. Uh, so for me, I see the majority of my swelling is going to be in these hotter months um, or probably on a plane as well. I get a lot of swelling on a plane, so but definitely in the warmer weather. Um, but for other people, it can be a serious issue that's brought on by severe health conditions. So basically, you're holding on to water, um, but where you hold it can give us an indication of why you're holding it. Um, and if you don't know why or how, then you can't really fix it. So I feel this podcast is important. I apologize in advance that it's going to be a bit longer because there's a lot to go through and it's I feel it's very important so now we all get different types of fluid retention at different stages but understanding why and how can help us get to the bottom of that so when we're talking about swollen ankles feet calves hands fingers wrists and even the neck and face swelling of the tissues due to water um, caused by a buildup of fluids this can also be known as edema if you've heard of someone call it edema so it can be edema or it can be peripheral edema um, so when we are getting swelling in these areas so the feet and the hands and so on we're looking at a circulatory problem so the body and the lymphatic system is struggling with the delivery of oxygen and nutrients and blood out to the extremities and this also impacts the detoxification systems or pathways or organs and keeping that good blood flow going around the body and through the liver all day is going to be super important so fluid retention is a side effect of something that's happening inside your body it may be something small but it could also be something more serious like cardiovascular disease or congestive heart disease so it is like i said before it's always important to get any swelling or fluid retention checked out by your doctor now we looked at peripheral or edema or just your regular we'll call it regular fluid retention because a lot of us get it regularly so that's you get that swelling or the fluid retention hands feet I do see it around knees and uh, wrists more so than elbows in a lot of my clients um, but that is your peripheral edema so that's out in the peripheries um, so the further away from the heart then there's another type of edema that needs a bit of mentioning called pitting edema and 
it's becoming more common now, especially as uh, we have the obesity epidemic happening. Um, and this is like cellular swelling. It's kind of damage to the tissues. It's where you get a lot of fluid retention in between your cells. Um, kind of, have you ever seen those stress balls that kids get and they have those tiny little balls inside them and then it's also filled with a fluid. So it's kind of, it feels gooey and cold in your hands. Um, so that's kind of what pitting edema is like. It's that water in between the cells. And if you push on it with your thumb or your finger, it leaves a dent. So still very much associated with fluid retention, but a lot more serious. So pitting edema, you definitely want to get that looked at. Um, but it can be classified based on the depth and duration of the indentation. So there's a scale for pitting edema. Um, and on the scale, there's four grades. We'll go through them really quickly. Grade one, where the pressure applied by the doctor leaves an indentation of zero to two millimeters that rebounds immediately. And that's the least severe type of pitting edema. Then you have grade two. The pressure leaves an indentation of three to four millimeters that rebounds in fewer than 15 seconds. Then there's grade three. The pressure leaves indentation of five to six millimeters that takes up to 30 seconds to rebound. And then lastly, there's grade four. Uh, this is the most severe where the pressure leaves an indentation of eight millimeters or deeper. It takes more than 20 seconds to rebound. So understanding the severity of the edema can help your doctor to identify the underlying cause and the best treatments. Um, so if your doctor um, feels it's more cardiovascular related, it will be your swelling is going to be more symmetrical. So you'll get swelling in both hands and both feet predominantly. Whereas um, if you have, say, deep vein thrombosis, this is where you'll get a clot in one leg or somewhere on your body, and that one leg will swell up and it'll hurt a lot if you squeeze it or if you put pressure on it. And it can even hurt if you're just sitting on like a bar stool and the edge of the bar stool is putting pressure onto a part of your leg. You'll feel that it'll hurt, it'll be uncomfortable. Um, and that's that's a sign that you need to quickly go and do something about it because when you're getting just one leg swelling, that's a sign that there's a blockage somewhere in that limb. It's usually a bad sign, so you wanna to go to your doctor. DVT or deep vein thrombosis means that the veins are struggling to pump the blood and toxins back towards your heart and up through the lymphatic system and that can all accumulate and clot and then everything from there gets stuck. Everything behind it gets stuck and the pressure gets increased and you feel pain. Okay. 
So you can also get, and there's a lot of information in this podcast, I get it, you're going to have to go back, listen a few times, maybe take some notes, but you can also get swelling on one side from lymphatic congestion because you may have a blockage in, say, a lymph node. And with lymphatic congestion, basically the whole leg will swell up, like the whole leg from foot up to your hip. And it'll backlog from the top and ends up down the bottom. Um, Because lymphatic congestion, uh, our lymphatic system has got all its valves and its pumping systems in around our inguinal area and our groin and our armpits and up at our neck. So what happens is because our lymph system runs upwards from our feet to our neck, there can be a real struggle there fighting with gravity. And you'll get this congestion happen where you'll start feeling the swelling in the upper leg, maybe not so noticeable because a lot of us carry more kind of weight around the upper leg. And then you'll notice it go around the knee. And then before you know it, it's at the foot, your whole leg is swollen. So this can be a sign of lymphatic congestion. What you can do here is, and we'll look at some resolutions as we go further down, but you can look at some sort of lymphatic drainage, lymphatic brushing, just improving the circulation. they lymphatic ingestion can sound very like DVT and they can do the same thing. So you can have a clot that's causing a blockage and the whole leg can swell up. Um, that signifies a more serious blockage, but you can also get it with the lymph node. So once your doctor has clarified like there's no deep vein thrombosis coming on here it looks like more lymphatic then you can start doing the stuff to support the lymph instead so all of these including circulation can be caused by several factors you got like per circulation inflammation medications a sedentary lifestyle genetics can play a part poor nutrition plays a big part because of course poor nutrition gives us the nutrient deficiencies and drives up inflammation Um, low levels of protein in the blood lung conditions where there's an increase in breathing and heart rate that can be a part of circulation and fluid retention issues then if your detoxification pathways are not functioning properly that's going to be a big factor and then of course stress now if you've got just per circulation as i do what happens is you start getting a lot of fluid retention just in the hands and the feet so typically you go for a walk in the morning or sometime in the day and then all your fingers and your feet will start to swell up 
particularly on hot days too. So like, this is totally me. I've always had purse circulation for as long as I can remember. And I honestly don't know if the obesity caused it or it came before me being obese, but it's definitely something I need to be conscious of daily. Um, and I'm conscious, we're gonna look at the thyroid, but I'm also conscious of that because I've always had a slowish thyroid. Again, it's the chicken and egg scenario, which came first, the obesity and then the slow thyroid and poor circulation, or did the slow thyroid cause the obesity and the circulation? So we'll never know, but this is why we treat the body as one whole system. Um, so with per circulation, you get a lot of fluid retention and you typically get cold hands and feet too. For some with per circulation, they can be cold and then all of a sudden they get this swelling and they're warm again. Um, as stated above, all these factors can cause per circulation. So all the factors we looked at, but slow thyroid here and metabolism can contribute to per circulation. It's another vicious cycle because, and there goes my doorbell, but they can wait. For some people, it will be per circulation caused by slow thyroid. And then of course, metabolism slows down and this can contribute to per circulation. It is again that vicious cycle because poor circulation also causes nutrients and adequate blood to not reach the thyroid. And that slows down the metabolism, which slows circulation down and so on. So the liver as well is definitely a part here too because we know the liver has a big part in the thyroid and of course in circulation and blood flow and then the kidneys we mustn't forget about them so there's a lot happening here um again this is really why I treat the body as a whole system because it's all connected and your diet and your lifestyle choices affects the whole system, affects your liver, your kidneys, your thyroid, your circulation, um, your colon, just a whole lot gets affected. So I wanna look at estrogen here because huge impact on females um it's something i see all the time a lot of my clients are estrogen dominance it breaks my heart but of course we do our best to try and um, relieve some of the issues but estrogen can also screw up your circulation especially estrogen dominance um, so we'll typically find that coming in towards those last few days before your period women get stickier blood around this time and that's when varicose veins can start to hurt or swell so you'll feel them a lot more and that's when we'll get that fluid retention and bloating this is why i encourage a lot of anti-inflammatories around this time or on the seven days run up to the period we'll do some proactive kind of we'll call it biohacking, um, just to kind of 
limit the severity of that PMS and the side effects. And what you'll find with estrogen is there's two different types of swelling. The vascular swelling from the poor circulation. Um, so that's happening more in the extremities. And this, very important, can also affect the brain where we see increased pressure in the neck and skull leading to migraines. So when you see migraines around the time of PMS or the period, this can be one of the main causes. And then you'll also find um, the swelling that's occurring in and around the belly and the gut. This association with the sticky blood and everything that's happening there with the hormones um, and the tissues. Also, many women get swollen breast tissues and pain from those estrogen changes. And this brings us back to that thyroid again, um, because estrogen impacts the thyroid. So if the thyroid is slow, the estrogen tends to go high. That results in poor circulation, poor detoxification pathways. Maybe your boobs are feeling sore, really painful around this time because you're getting those changes in estrogen and you're not detoxifying or getting that estrogen out efficiently. You got the poor circulation, nothing's moving how it should. And you can even then see that oedema kick in here or edema, whatever way you pronounce it. Um, and a lot of that swelling happens. So you got the estrogen, you got the thyroid, you got the purse circulation, you get all that swelling. As a side note, candida can also drive up estrogen dominance due to that deconjugation um, that they do in the gut. So candida deconjugate estrogen, which causes the estrogen to be recycled back into the body rather than excreted. So to put that really simply, I tell my clients, basically if you have a bad bacteria overgrowth or a candida overgrowth, the candida is going to be eating your waste products that we want to poop out. We want to get out, but the candida is eating that and re-putting the estrogen that it takes out of your waste back into your bloodstream, back into your body. So it's getting recirculating. So you're not detoxifying properly because of all of this. And again, it's affecting the whole show. So one system, that's where we want to treat the whole body as a system um, so we're nearly finished another hormone of course that I mentioned earlier is a stress hormone hormone and oh do I see this a lot you can tell if you're getting fluid retention from cortisol because it's more in your internal organs. So cortisol will actually make you swell up more in the middle. Many women will tell me that they look pregnant or they just feel bloated. So with cortisol, if you've had chronic exposure to stress or high cortisol, your body doesn't know what's going on. Like, is this crazy dangerous or is this something that's going to relax um doesn't know if you've just had a stressful conversation or if a dinosaur is chasing you constantly 
So it preserves a lot of fat and fluid in and around your internal organs, in and around your tummy, in case you need it for survival. So when it's in and around your tummy and your organs, it's quicker energy access. Your body can get to it quicker there because it's not out in the peripheries, it's close by to your energy systems. So with per circulation, you'll often find other circulatory signs as we discussed. So you got the varicose veins, you got the pitting edema, we got some Raynaud's can happen, you'll get cold a lot, you might experience numbness, tingling, pins and needles. Um, then you can also get that kind of swelling on the warmer days or where you're on your feet a lot more. Um, with the they can all be worse after rest obviously not the walking and the swelling but all the other stuff can be worse after rest and it'll improve with movement and as your body warms up um, when you have someone that's got per circulation that's leading to fluid retention then it's time to definitely see your doctor because that could be those cardiovascular signs we spoke of. Um, and your doctor, they'll look at blood pressure, heart rate, cholesterol. They will go through the whole cardiovascular risk, risk assessment profile and make sure nothing serious going on. So if you're going to see your doctor, they should do all of that. So you want to make sure that they're doing all those checks and have your best interest at heart. So right now, taking all of that into account, what can we do to help with fluid retention and swelling and per circulation. So we know that there's a, a big factor in inflammation there. So we wanna make sure that we're getting a lot of anti-inflammatory foods in, monitoring our alcohol intake. Um, keep your inflammatory foods low. So especially your sugars and hydrogenated fats or oils, because those are the ones that drive up that inflammation and damage the cells a lot more. Um, we want to keep kind of your toxic load low as much as possible. Um, so when we look back at alcohol, I'll generally get my clients to take some activated charcoal and maybe some extra vitamin C when they're having alcohol just to support those detoxification pathways and bind to any toxins to help get them out of the body. Uh, we want to look very much so at, of course, stress has a big play on inflammation so your stress can come from anywhere conversation bad relationship something on your mind a heavy crossfit workout a heavy run constant training poor sleep like stress can come from anywhere and the, all of those are going to infect your inflammation so you want to be really smart are you getting enough sleep is it quality sleep are you kind of rotating your training are you maybe not going so hard all the time how bad does heavy training affect your body? Do you notice that if you do a heavy CrossFit workout or heavy um, pump workout or something like that, are you totally inflamed? Do you feel it throughout your body? For me, I've said this many times, if I don't get a good sleep, bam, I totally inflame, it's insane. My temperature goes up, my brain feels like it's swollen and on fire. My whole body just feels kind of groggy. So that's a major stressor for me as well. But then some of the more practical things that we can do. 
is looking at supporting our liver is going to be very important and our kidneys. So those detoxification organs and making sure even our bowels are working properly, that we're detoxifying properly and getting everything down those detoxification pathways and out of our body. So I said I'm drinking raspberry leaf tea now. Raspberry leaf tea, very good for the kidneys and the urinary tract. So I will have that, it's a rotation between all the teas I have. Um, last night I did a cranberry tea because my leg was just feeling a bit sore where I have a varicose vein from when I was overweight so I think I just trained too hard and was on my feet a lot so I had a cranberry tea last night to just support my kidneys I did um, my inversion as well so just back to teas, I'll also look at, I like to use burdock root tea. So that's a great blood purifier. So that helps kind of keep the blood clean and kind of pushes those toxins out. Um, so like you think of burdock tea is like a sweeping brush. It just sweeps the toxins out towards your detoxification organs and then keeps the blood somewhat pristine. Um, I also do love dandelion root and dandelion tea now we can use them both for different things so we would use dandelion root more for supporting the liver which is very important because the liver is processing everything so you want your liver to be working optimally to make sure that it's filtering out all the toxins and all the gunk and helping it get out of the body without putting too much stress on the liver again your liver is very important you want to support the liver so that's where I like dandelion root and even milk thistle here but dandelion leaf um, is a very good diuretic along with parsley tea I recommend to a lot of my clients too and rosemary tea these are good diuretics they can help get rid of fluid you can also get a celery tea if you can't find the celery tea you can get celery seeds and make your own tea or just add celery seeds to salads and soups and stews and chilies and whatever you like you add celery seed to it these are all very good diuretics so if you find that you're very very heavy you're puffy you're holding on to a lot of fluid especially down around the legs you want to take in these diuretics that are going to be gentle on your body but effective so they're going to be supporting the organs but helping get that extra fluid out of your body and like one tea is not going to do it if you're someone that's constantly swollen and finds it's a regular occurrence you're going to this tea is going to be part of your lifestyle. So it's going to be consistency as with anything. So it's going to be regular. So we got all those teas in. Um, I also like, I did mention celery seed is great. We also like um, a lot of sprouts. I really like a lot of sprouts, specifically broccoli sprouts and radish sprouts because they will bind to that excess estrogen. Um, they conjugate the estrogen and they get it out of the body. So again, we're not getting that recirculating into the body. Now, another thing I'll get a lot of my clients to do if they have a mini trampoline at their disposal when they get up in the morning, I will encourage them and we usually start with just, I'll encourage them to jump. So I'll usually start with two minutes of just rebounding. And then we work our way up to three and four and five and six. So six is usually enough. So I'll get them six minutes of rebounding in the morning. 
if I find that their circulation and their detoxification is really struggling and then they'll do their morning routine. And then, of course, I'm going to encourage them to be active throughout the day. Some outdoor walking, hiking, dancing with their kids if they want dancing with their dance with whoever they like. I like to get people moving a lot to keep the circulation going. Be conscious of heavy leg weight training because this can put more pressure on the legs. And that's something a lot of people don't think about. So leg presses and heavy squats not so much deadlifts, but those presses and squats can really build up a lot of pressure in your legs. And if you already have circulation or fluid retention issues in the lower part of your body, this is definitely something to take into consideration. So then we'll move throughout the day. Maybe if we can, we might walk again in the evening. Nearly all of my clients, including myself, will do inversion at the end of the day it's some sort of inversion but it's usually for five to ten minutes the the more severe your circulation problems or lymphatic issues are the longer we will do it then i'll encourage and this sounds like a lot but it's not all happening so i'll encourage clients every few couple of days so a few times a week we'll have a hot epsom salt bath so a hot epsom salt bath can help draw out toxins out of the skin as well as provide us with that kind of relaxing muscle therapy but we don't want to stay in the bath for more than 15 minutes because studies show that if we stay in the hot epsom salt bath we can start to reabsorb all those toxins again so five to ten minutes in a nice hot bath as hot as you can tolerate it i like to say to my clients to encourage heat shock proteins um, that should suffice you got your inversion they'll do their some sort of tea in the evening to support their liver or their kidneys or whatever it might be and then straight off to bed so there's a lot you can do being conscious of what is causing your fluid retention or your swelling or your poor circulation is what's going to help you decide what to obviously avoid and what to add in. For me, definitely leg presses cause a lot of pressure so I'm pressing like 400 pounds a lot of pressure build up in my legs so I've got to be conscious to take those rest days off let inflammation come down and on those rest days encourage good blood flow through my lower body getting toxins back up towards my excretory organs um, so just to clarify you excrete through pee poop breath sweating crying uh, through your skin so that's how we generally excrete um through our period if you're a woman it'll come some of our toxins will come out in our blood so then for me inversion is a regular thing if i find my varicose vein is hurting earlier in the day some days maybe because of heat or i had a long day the day before i will do uh, my inversion in both the morning and the evening if i've had a poor sleep and i feel there's a lot of inflammation going on i'll try to fast a little longer i'll take some extra krill i might take some cinnamon i'll do a lot of anti-inflammatory activities if i can i'll throw in a bit of a nap there just 
to help bring that inflammation down. And throwing in a nap in a case like that can be an anti-stress tool. So when you nap, you obviously forget mostly about stress and you go into a different zone altogether. So it can be a very good anti-stress tool having a nap for people halfway through the day. Um, and then I'll keep my water up. I'll do a lot of those teas. Um, and yeah, really my favorite supplements for detoxification, they're going to be, I did mention the celery seed and that's somewhat more food, but, um, I really like MSN, so methyl sulfonylmethane. I like activated charcoal. I really like berberine for helping the gut detoxify. Um, and vitamin C, like those would be my top um, for detoxifying. I rather use teas and whole foods um, and lifestyle adjustments to help the body with detoxifying and improving circulation and bringing down that fluid retention and stuff. Like even the thoughts of water pills, I'm not big on them. I think you'd be better off using a tea that has its cofactors. You get the benefits and some extra benefits and no real side effects. So that was quite a lot. It's been the longest podcast in a while. I hope you found that helpful. I really do. I hope it clarified a lot of what might be going on and what you can do. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, so shemainsmodelhealth.com. You can find me on Facebook, Shemaine's Model Health. Um, and there's email addresses there. Or you can private message me. I hope you enjoyed the rest of your week. Um, stay safe and take care and we'll chat soon. Bye.